It's your radio, the future of radio. Good evening and welcome to Serious Business with Lloyd. Mainly Lloyd, Corey is sick in bed tonight. He's got a cold, so he's not going to be joining us. Tonight's show is about school. It isn't Little House on the Prairie anymore, as opposed to It Ain't Little House on the Prairie anymore, although that is in the dictionary now, ain't. So, what I'd like to discuss with you tonight is a situation with education in America. Education in America is no longer the number one educational system. Back in the old days with Little House on the Prairie, I can remember Laura, um, well, I don't remember Laura because I'm not quite that old, almost, but I can remember on the shows, Little House on the Prairie and the books, that Laura and the children were so excited to go to school. I mean, what a privilege. No longer is it a privilege to go to school. It is considered a right. It is run by the government as opposed to run by parents, towns, villages. We no longer concentrate on education. Other things seem to be taking its place. Um, sports is one issue. We educate our children in reading, writing, and arithmetic occasionally. We really push team sports, um, which I think is very important. But we do not push the reading and the writing and the arithmetic like we do the sports. Um, we pay for school buses to take our children to games. Uh, we pay for the driver who drives these kids to games. We pay for uniforms. What happened to that uh, ballpark baseball? Uh, what happened to being out there and pitching baseballs so that the kids could, oh, I can hear Corey up there coughing, so that the young people could get out there and exercise and learn to work together and, and be teamwork. Now it is so competitive. And competition is good because in this technological world, we do have to compete, but not at the expense of the education of our children. Um, local legacy, remembering the little red schoolhouse, it just leads me to, to wonder, can you imagine going to a school that has only one room and where all the kids, no matter how old, are in the same class? You know, that was the situation in many schools across the country, especially in rural rural communities. I had to spit that one out. Um, take, for instance, Becker County. That is a rural farm community in Minnesota. They decided to get together and create a historical record of the one-room schoolhouse experience. The citizens included photographs of old school buildings, interiors, and the students. They also found antique school texts, teaching materials, and state examinations for the teaching certificate, a teacher's bell, and an old-fashioned lunch pail, all of these from the first half of the 20th century. Together, these materials preserve a nearly vanished educational experience. Today, only a single one-room schoolhouse remains in Minnesota. It's located in Northwest Angle at the northernmost tip of the state and one of the coldest places in the lower 48 states. 
The Angle School has about a dozen students, and children often arrive by boat from nearby and not-so-nearby islands. During the winter, some students travel daily to school on a snowmobile. Stop and think for a minute. Would you like to see your child go to a one-room school? Would you like to see your child have all different ages in that classroom? I think it's pretty cool. I think that would be quite a, a wonderful experience. Just, you know, you have a kindergartner and you have a fourth, fifth, or sixth grader, for instance, and classes and lessons for each age group is going on with one teacher. Pretty amazing person, whether it be male or female, that teacher is pretty amazing. The kindergartner picks up some of the things that the fourth or fifth grader is learning. The fifth grader picks up on what the sixth or seventh grader is learning, and so on as you go through the age groups. There's nothing quite like a one-room schoolhouse or a two-room schoolhouse with two groups, maybe uh, your primaries and then your higher grades in the other classroom. How exciting. In Maine, there is a school, a one-room schoolhouse, and many of the children in schools throughout the state of Maine make appointments and they go visit. They have to dress for the classroom. Hi, bird lover. I'm going to put you on the air in about 30 seconds. Welcome to the show. They they go into this um, schoolhouse, and they dress the part. They have to take their lunch, and it can only be food that's appropriate for the time frame, which is the early 1900s. These children receive a name, such as Lincoln or whatever. They don't go by their given names. And they spend the whole day doing school, such as it was done in the early 1900s. These children experience reading, writing, and arithmetic in such an amazing way. I'm going to bring um, a friend in. Uh, Her name is Bird Lover, and she's going to give us her thoughts on today's education. Hey there. Hi. Hi, Loie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's been a long time. It has been way too long. How's uh, things going for you and, and your uh, children? Um, well, <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good? <laughs> it's, it's, it's been one of the more interesting few months, period of my life, so... We'll let it go with that. <laughs> that. That works for me. That works for me. Um, what's your What's your thoughts on the education of our children in America today? Any Any thoughts that uh, you'd like to share with us, or things that you think might resolve some of the situations we find ourselves getting into in the uh, in the education of America? We had a situation not long ago with my daughter, and I thought I'd share that with you. She is hands down in our school, the finest string player that's ever been taught there. And we are one of the lucky schools that has a string program thanks to a music teacher who specializes in strings. Um, And it's a wonderful program. And she's at, uh, well, at the time was 17. She's just turned 18. And you know how they are. They're seniors. They're 
taking only the necessary classes and just trying to get ready for college and you know it's that transition year where you go from being the kid in the house to being you know a grown-up and she was late for school uh, <laughs> every day <laughs> in December unfortunately wow. the one day she picked yeah <laughs> yeah it's been it's been a fight um, have anymore but she was late the one day that it mattered the most and that's what fixed the problem uh, two times a year the school has a concert the orchestra plays the chorus sings and then the band plays and my daughter sits first chair first violin like I said she's a heck of a string player and fortunately she was a half an hour too late to school and was not allowed to play Oh, Unfortunately, that <laughs> yeah, that really hurt. But in this case, and this is where the administration is not keeping up with what teachers are saying. Now, in our school system, it's one school, K, well, pre-K through 12, and the principal and the superintendent are all in the same building. So it, it's, you know, 250 kids in the entire town. So it's not a big school but well, I guess not. that's great. <laughs> yeah, I like it, but she can't wait to get out. <laughs> um, but in this case, it's it's technically, as far as the administration is concerned, an extracurricular activity like playing sports. Mm-hmm. But according to the teacher, showing up and performing at the concert is 10% of the grade. So does it fall under the rules of extracurricular activities, or does it fall under the rules of being a class? Well, you have two two opposing parties, obviously. You have the government, the local government of your school department, and then you have the teacher. Right. Who seem to be opposing each other. And when we went to the Board of Education, who met five minutes before my daughter would have been able to play, Instead of going to my board of education for them to make a decision, for them to come to a majority of, and, and you know, when they made out the handbook and they're telling us what the rules are, orchestra was not listed as an extracurricular activity. Okay, so we'll get technical, band and chorus were, but technically, orchestra was not. And so it's was listed it listed as an extra. No, was orchestra was not listed as an extracurricular activity. And the orchestra's been active for seven years, so they should have caught on by now. It's not. But our board deferred to the superintendent. And she was, well, the spirit is that it's no. So my daughter was not allowed to play, so she ended up having to write a paper. And our argument was that you may think that it's an extracurricular activity, but it's part of her grade, and she is here. She is prepared. She is on time her lesson, or her her class. So, how can you, as the board of education, keep my daughter from taking a test? That would be like saying because you came in late, you couldn't take your exam in a class that was at one o'clock. And it's ridiculous. Respond. Did they have a response? And their response was, 
they it's an extracurricular activity and she'll just have the teacher will just have to come up with another assignment to make it up. It's like being absent. But here you it's hard enough to get kids involved in things like music and art because they're minimal parts of the day, if at all, in some school systems. And so necessary and here you have a technicality where the the, the teachers and the school are not on the same page how a class is run. How can any school system run any class when the administration is doing its thing and the teachers are doing theirs? Well, it's not going to work, obviously, as you have found out from experience. If, if, it, they cannot, if the teachers and the school board or the governing uh, people of the school, your superintendent, your principals, your vice principals, cannot work hand-in-hand, hand, and the school board, of course, um, cannot work hand-in-hand, hand, then it's not going to work very well. Obviously. What is the point of a board of education if they're not governing the decisions of the That's their job. So someone brings something to their attention that is out of sync with the, the way, the, the best interests of the children, they just defer. They can't make a decision. Well, the, your, that, your I think, board is what bothered me the most. Your board obviously chose not to make a decision, uh, uh, a real decision. It was just sort of like, well, let's slide this one off. Let's see what we can do about this. Not much. No. So and my, my husband, well, she couldn't play. And my husband made a point telling him how incredibly disappointed he was in everyone involved, including his own daughter, because, yes, it was her responsibility to get to class on time, but or to be in school or by 9 o'clock, and she got there at 9.30. So it was for half an hour difference, and she was not allowed to play. But I agree that your daughter should have been on time. You probably feel the same way. I don't know if there were evaluating circumstances. Uh, it's winter. I don't know if you deal with snow like we do and ice, but there could oh, yes. have been. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, there could have been extenuating, extenuating uh, circumstances. Absolutely, or maybe you know a case of. Uh, my feet are dragging kind of day. But bottom line is just your daughter had a responsibility not just to herself but to her, her fellow members of the string um, orchestra. She did have a responsibility. Right. But she did She did have a responsibility, and we brought that to her attention. But on, on the other technically, hand, technically the handbook did not call this particular class a extracurricular activity. It wasn't listed, so... Was it her responsibility to know that she had to be there by nine? It wasn't listed as one of one of the things that that was required for. But she had been and I'm I'm devil's advocate here, okay? She had mm -hmm. been attending uh, her classes in this this uh, stringed orchestra, so she was aware that the set time for her was nine a.m. Correct? Through no. being there, she did not know that. Start at 8:15. Okay, um, you know, I don't know. By nine. Okay. Yeah, let me let me just let me just say this. On my end of the phone here, I'm I'm just picking up. Um, I'm. You're breaking up now and then, so if I don't respond appropriately, it could be because I didn't hear everything. Um, I do okay. have a, 
I do have a question from the chat room. KZ would like to know okay. how old is the child? Um, she was 17 at the time. She's now 18. Okay, she was 17 at the time, KZ. And um, so um, my, I, I think my point was, oops, she's now 117 in the chat room. Whew, <laughs> got old fast. Uh, <laughs> whoa, don't let her know the fast after after 117, I'll tell you. But I, you know, I'm just sort of being devil's advocate here um, because, number one, I'm not there and I don't know the whole situation. From what I'm hearing, I was under the assumption that your child's been attending these classes on a regular basis, whether they were extracurricular or a requirement. Um, she was attending them on a regular basis so that she knew the time frame. That was my first understanding. And jump right in well, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, see, the time frame is for anyone involved in an extracurricular activity. School starts at 8.15. You have to be there by 9 o'clock or you can't participate. Okay. But orchestra is not specifically listed as an extracurricular activity in the handbook. So my question to the board was, is she actually responsible for knowing that she would be exempted from playing if she were late? It's not listed as an extracurricular activity, and they decided to defer the spirit is anything having to do with the music department. The problem is everything having to do with the music department, they get graded for showing up for it's not extracurricular. The definition of extracurricular is outside the academics. Uh-huh. They are graded because the class meets three, two out of every six days. They have a six-day schedule. And so the class they have does a, or the whole school? The whole school is a six-day schedule. Really? That's quite interesting. It's not Monday through Saturday. It's just a six-day schedule. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask. I don't know how these kids know where they're supposed to go. <laughs> but in order to, f- because they customize classes, mm-hmm. instead of, and once you, you're in seventh grade, you're whatever age, um, you are either a seventh grader or you're an AP seventh grader. And so based on, you can have some AP seventh graders, which means they're taking freshman math. Okay. So they get a freshman math class that's an hour and a half as opposed to freshmen who get a math class that's only an hour. So to make that other half an hour, they have actually, I think it's 20 class periods per day, broken up into 20-minute intervals. And so you'll have three blocks or four blocks of a given class to allow the kids who are on the lower end of the scale Mm -hmm. to have more time. Wow. And the kids who are on the higher end get to take a bigger variety of classes because they, they get shorter time slots for the same information. In I some respects, I this school is, is very advanced and very um, capable of taking care of getting kids as much opportunity as possible. My daughter will graduate with um, two credits in e- college credits in English because cool. she took advanced placement. And so she was able to purchase the credits through the local state university. Wow. So in that case, yes, the, yeah, this school is doing the things that it needs to do, but there are things it's not doing. It's not uh-huh. uh, providing a variety of language classes. You either take Spanish or you don't take language. 
Now, um, how big is your school? How many students? <laughs> approximately K through 12. It's, what would you say the enrollment was just off the top of your head? 250. 250. Yeah, my daughter's graduating class, I think, is 27. Wow. Which is another reason they're allowed, they're able to do this. You know, my daughter took Math A, Math AB, Math B, and then took Calculus last year and Statistics this year. So she well, has... I have, I have to jump yeah. in here and say that for us, a school... Uh, the size of your school system, it sounds pretty impressive for, for what they are offering young people. I would uh, kind of assume that um, your base for population is what, maybe 3,000 in your village? Uh, 1,900. 1,900 even. So for what, yeah. what, what your school system seems to be offering uh, with... Uh, Property taxes is probably eighty percent of of eighty um, percent of your property taxes probably go towards your school system. Are are the um, elementary, junior high, and high school all within your village, or do they have to be bused to other towns? No, it's all one building. All one building. All one building. For and, now. And, um, and, and this is a public school, needless to say. Right. Yeah. Um, but they are. Um, there was just an article in our local paper a couple of weeks ago that um, the state comptroller says that schools with a population of under 1,000 students are not using money efficiently, and they are going to regionalize. Well, see, that's what's and, happening here in Maine. And that's frightening. I'll tell you, six year, when my daughter, she's a senior now, so when she was in the fourth grade, eight years ago, our school was on the list to be shut down because of the poor performance on the um, New York State Regents exam. Yeah. And they brought in a company called America's Choice, who are the orchestrators of this 20-minute block, 20 periods a day, six-day schedule. And they have their own set of uh, textbooks and whatnot for their program. and. It not only saved the school, but it put them at the top of the nation. I'm, for I'm almost not surprised. <clears throat> they worked really hard, and the kids' grades did incredible. And I, I think that that's fabulous. I mean, there aren't too many school systems where the kids get the kind of attention that ours get. But regionalizing it would be a huge mistake. Huge. Well, I, I, you know, I have to agree because it... Just listening to, I realized that, that there ha was a, a problem, and um, when you have a group of people, there's going to be problems, yes. And you guys resolve it and, and work the situation out, hopefully to everybody's satisfaction. But listening to you describe what your school system is offering, based on the size of your village and the size of the school itself, uh, the attendance to the school itself, it sounds to me like your children are getting a very good education, which a large part of our nation's school are not providing. It's they sound every like time I hear of music program. Yeah, every time I hear about music programs and 
um, art programs being cut from inner city schools. I'm stunned. It's sad. You need that balance. It's not all academics and sports. Absolutely not. Uh, let me ask you a question, if my memory mm-hmm. serves me. Remember, I'm getting really old, you guys, so <laughs> the, the little electrodes up there in my head that are supposed to make these little jumps don't always work properly. Did you not send me a link to a site where your daughter had artwork? Was that you? Yes. 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 And I was highly impressed with those. And if you would like to give me that, um, if you know that off the top of your head, I'd be happy to put it into the chat room for anybody that would like to go look at her work because I was quite impressed with this young woman. Yes, go ahead, Jim. Um, she, uh, I'm trying to think of how they address it now. The web page is um, deviantart.com, and her username is mindfreakette. She started that account when she was big on Chris Angel. So <laughs> <laughs> um, not so much anymore. And you, I don't even recognize her anymore. Oof. It's so much easier when they're five. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. I have to agree. I have a 16-year-old, that, and, and normally he would be down here with me, but um, he's in bed sleeping, and when he's not sleeping, he's sneezing and... and um, I say anymore, he'll say, "Oh, mom, what are some of the girls who are listening?" So I, I <laughs> he has a cold. Obviously, being a, uh, a young male, he thinks he's dying. He told me he mm-hmm. was. I can't think I'm dying. <laughs> well, on the other side of the coin, um, I, I'd like to know, and I'm sure that that the, the ladies and gentlemen in the chat room would like to know. How was the situation resolved with your daughter? Was it resolved to everybody's satisfaction? No. Uh, no. Well, as far as I'm concerned, no, she was not allowed to play. Not at all. Um, nope. She ended up having to write a paper on Isaac Perlman, the violinist. Uh-huh. Um, a 500-page report. But the problem is... And How I many guess, page report? Uh, it's 500 word. Oh, 500 word. Okay. Well, that's again. No. Fortunately, um, see, the thing said, is, no, 500 words. I thought you um, said 500 page report and I almost fell out of my chair. The problem is she sits first chair, first violin, mm-hmm. which makes her concert mistress. So it's, you're, you, you no longer have a concert mistress and that's a big part of a string performance. So you took all that away from the rest of the kids in their performance. They are trained during practice to look to her to make sure their bows are going in the right direction, to make sure they're going at the right tempo. That's what you do. Whatever section of an orchestra you sit in, you look to the first as your guide. Not only that, but she was the first, okay, time to brag, she was the first student from this string program to be um, accepted at the area all-state orchestra level. Cool. So she went she went to Potsdam and performed with uh, some fabulous, fabulous players in a, uh, a full orchestra, not just a string orchestra. And that okay. was amazing. And this is your shining moment. One of your students has done something that no other student in your school has ever done, and you're cutting her off the ankles and not letting her mm-hmm. do it. Okay. They only have two, two, option, two opportunities per year to perform, 
and this is what they work for, it's not like when you play baseball and there are, you know, two dozen games. Exactly. And there are so many kids, you know, three or four kids that play each position. You don't have that in the orchestra. And they're treating the orchestra like the baseball team. And it just, it's just astounding. No, you can't. Not when it's a graded class. Baseball's not graded. Yes, well, it's encouraged, and, and, but it's and, and, not graded. In a sense, it's not graded, but, but I have to tell you that uh, in many school systems, uh, sports is number one, education is number two. Mm-hmm. It, it's, that's the truth. Uh, and, and it's sad. I, I've done a lot of research today. There's so many... You know, um, there's there's so many news articles, uh, programs telling uh, the government is cutting funding to your schools, and and all the schools are panicking. Now, in our town, 80% of our property taxes are dedicated to our school system, and we have uh, primary, junior high, and high school in our town. No children are bused out of town except for um, vocational school, uh, vocational mm-hmm. classes where they do specialties. Right. And so, so we support our school system, and there uh, we're probably twice your size. Where our population in our village is 3,200. Sports is primary, <laughs> in my opinion. It is here. And if you're not into sports, then you're a geek. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that way in, in my town. It's that way in a large majority of towns. So not to get off the point, school systems are panicking. Uh, the talk, uh, reading our local newspaper, some of the uh, news stories says, well, uh, the principals and the boards are looking at cutting back on sports. Uh, in as much as there will not be as many away games and then out of state. Oh, my word, let me tell you. Um, I read the newspaper online, and you can comment on, and read other people's comments. You would have thought we were cutting off education at the knees. These people were just absolutely against taking any money I think I lost word lover. Um, taking any money away from sports, they suggested that what we do is fire some teachers. Duh! Give me a break. I mean, I don't know what to say. Would you cut out sports, or would you fire a teacher, or two, or three, or four? Unreal. So, um, I just want to tell you there in the chat room and, and those around that we lost Bird Lover Mom. She's not on the line right now. I don't know if she'll call back. Interesting story. Casey, I will ask her why uh, her daughter was late for school for the whole month of December. As I said, there could have been extenuating circumstances or she could have just felt like dragging her feet. I mean, there are days when... Things just aren't going our way, and we don't do exactly what we should be doing. I'm going to give you our call-in number, which is 646-716. I'm typing at the same time. 
9034. Anybody chooses to call in and, and discuss uh, our school situation uh, across the United States of America. We are not no longer ranked as number one in education. I think that um, from what I read in the past few months and um, just sort of refreshed and checked on today, um, what I hear is that China, the country of China, is number one in, in educating their young people. And we stand about number three or four. Well, so 17-year-olds definitely are sometimes divas. I have one that's 16 years old, and he's a diva. What's a male diva called? You got any answers for that, Casey? Uh, welcome to the room, bird lover. Um, Casey, I don't think... <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, Pat. I think that uh, girls tend to be divas. I do, and I'm not a girl anymore. So what are we going to do with the education of children? If um, you noticed on the front page of Serious Business, I have three books there that can be purchased at Amazon if, if anyone's interested. But the reason I chose the ones I did, the first one is school shootings. Um, that's not something that... Devil cow, Casey, you're right, Kitty. <laughs> uh, but I, I cannot recall ever hearing back in what we consider the good old days when parents were more involved in schools and it was less government. I don't recall hearing about school shootings the way we do in this day and age. How absolutely terrifying it is sometimes to, to send your child to school. And you don't have to be a big inner city school. You can be a small school as you watch the news. Um, we've seen it time and time again, small schools, large schools, other students deciding that um, this is what they're going to do, go to school and shoot up the joint. Somebody hurt their feelings. Or who knows what the reason is. I think we have too much government in school. A little House on the Prairie was run strictly by their township. And if you look at the primers, and you can find those online um, for reading, writing, and arithmetic, these kids, by the time they were in second grade, were reading, writing, and arithmetic, and they were doing serious work, very serious work. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bring Bird Lover um, back on the air. You're on the air. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. It happens. It happens. <laughs> um, I was just commenting on the books that I chose from Amazon. We can feature these, and you can purchase them. Uh, my first selection was School Shooting, something that we did not hear about happening um, 25 years ago, 50 years ago, that just was um, unheard of. And now it's becoming uh, quite prevalent. I chose um, another book, and I don't have the title right in front of me, I'm sorry, but the second book that you see is all about government in our schools, parenting, school superintendents, um, school boards, 
everything that it goes into taking school as it is presented to our young people today and what it takes to run these schools. Uh, millions of dollars, the buildings, um, millions of dollars, the education, the teachers, not quite so many millions. Um, my third choice in books was about homeschooling because uh, many of you know that we are homeschoolers here in our house. Corey did go to a private Christian school from kindergarten through eighth grade when he chose to be, become a homeschooler. And uh, there were various circumstances for our deciding to do that. But last year he did the ninth grade at home. And when we went for his profile, it was um, it was scary is what it was, you guys, because we'd never done that before. And we thought, oh, my God, we've probably done everything wrong. But the one thing that we learned at this um, profile profiling is that when you meet with this group, and we do belong to a, a homeschooling group, you meet all these parents face-to-face -face and the children, and... What a wonderful encouragement. And the one thing that we learned is when you homeschool, one of the things that we do is we unschool. That's U-N school, unschool. And you would be amazed at the life skills that we're teaching our children by being at home with them and working with them. They cook. They are, they're gaining credits. Um, Corey started a business. And he gets credit for what he does in many areas from math to uh, history. I mean, there are so many things that go into it. He's earning his credits on a, on, on a daily basis. We're doing uh, English, and we're not doing Shakespeare. He's already did that in, in uh, his uh, regular school. But what we have found is a program called, and you might want to listen to this, Pat, because it's really quite interesting, um, online, it's www.adoptanauthor. And you go there, and they recommend some books for the children. And you go to um, Barnes & Noble or um, any of the bookstores, that uh, regular bookstores will carry these books. And they run about $8 for paperbacks. This Adopt an Author provides you with quizzes, spelling lists, uh, vocabulary lists. And at the end of doing the book, the child reads the book. They're so interesting that I'm even reading Corey's books. And uh, at the end, you call the author on the telephone and you discuss his book or her book, whichever the case may be. So there's all kinds of options out there. You can either send your child to school, but what we're really concerned about is what they're doing at the school, what's happening at school. Pat, um, Bird Lover, any, any ideas about what would make school systems better in this day and age? It's, I think that um, a, lot of, a lot of people who live in New York, where I live, um, think that teaching to a test is a bad way to go. And unfortunately, what they forget is 
the stuff that's on the test is the stuff they should know. Mm -hmm. um, and we have Regents exams starting from when they're in the fourth grade. Um, and you can't graduate without certain Regents exam passes. Um, so if you don't know the, if you don't know it, you don't graduate. Um, and I firmly believe in sure teach my kid to the test because they want them to know this information. So I'm okay with that. Um, I think too many uh, not, there there aren't enough schools that or enough states that have the Regents exams. Um, and yet our school did not provide any sort of SAT preparation. Oh, they didn't? At all. No, none. In fact, my daughter had to go to Vermont to be a school in Middlebury to take her SAT um, test. Wow. Uh, yeah, the end of January. Um, there was nothing offered. Um, I think one of the biggest places where the smaller schools like ours are losing is in the guidance counselor. Um, the, guide, the position of guidance counselor has gone so far from where it was when I went to high school. Guidance counselor was someone who helped you with everything, you know, that was not class related. That's what mm -hmm. your teachers are for. Right. So you could go to your guidance counselor for all kinds of things. They, for instance, in our school, they have a zero tolerance for fighting, which yeah. is wrong. Um, I I believe that uh, when you say zero tolerance, and that means you're going to punish both parties equally, um, you're taking away the fact that in many of these cases, one of them is a victim. And right. Because let's face it, when it comes to go ahead. Well, no, I, uh, when you said zero tolerance, I, I uh, should have waited to, to hear your explanation of their zero tolerance when I, uh, when I said great. Um, it is great in a sense. Uh, I'm a firm believer and there is no need to be fighting um, physically in school. But as far right. as punishing both, I, I think that, that the, the, the best case scenario is you listen to both sides and then the victim is not punished because the victim's already been punished. The person who instigated is the one who needs to be punished, whether that be uh, uh, you're out of school for two weeks or you're going to sit in the office for two weeks and do your schoolwork, which I think would be worse than, than letting them sit at home watching TV and potato chips, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, other, another place where I am a big advocate of of um, anti uh, what most school systems is doing is um, the least restrictive environment for special needs kids. Mm -hmm. um, I have a special needs child and so I understand the desire of my special needs child to get everything that every other kid gets. But I also understand the least restrictive environment shouldn't only apply to the special needs child, it should also apply to the rest of the kids in the class. So when you say least restrictive environment, 
that means putting a special needs child in a mainstream class. But is that the least restrictive environment for the rest of the kids in the class? I, I would never in a million years want that for any kid, that they would have to be, um, sit, you know, have times in their day when they sit and do other things besides just uh, their, their regular classwork because they finish their assignment, but they have one or two special needs kids in the class that aren't, are disruptive or not doing the work, and the rest of the kids are, are punished for that because they have to wait until the, the special needs kid catches up. So <clears throat> I have gone to Connecticut to advocate uh, for an autistic child whose school, whose school system wanted to just put him in a mainstream school, and yet he could barely speak. And I had to go down there and, you know, point out their own outlines to them that really that's not the least restrictive environment for him. It's not designed for him to learn, therefore it's more restrictive. Um, it's, it's crazy that, sorry, um, that uh, some, some kids, you know, in some states they just, they are so worried about, it was one or two parents that want everything for their kid. Um, I just disagree. But it may I not be the best thing disagree. for that child. It, there are, it, up here at least, I don't know, every, every school system should come to Crown Point because up here, if a kid needs it, they get it. And they do services at us for our child. And I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning. And these teachers that have eight students in their class that are all special needs took the time to go to special um, uh, conferences and get special training to work with my son uh, when we first wanted to put him in school take him out of the home program and put him in school mm -hmm. for the socialization. Um, and it was just, it was amazing that they would, to me, when I always heard you know, special needs schools are pretty much just glorified babysitters. That's how it was. I remember growing up there was a special school in the town that I grew up in in Connecticut, and that's all it was. It was just glorified babysitting until they were old enough to go to the Varka and, you know, count uh, emery boards into a Ziploc bag. Yeah. And that's, you know, but now we know that with the right training, special needs kids get so much farther. And I think that's another place where a lot of um, school systems are dropping the ball. They're not taking care of properly the special needs kids, and that's affecting regular classrooms. I think I think that you know um, in the United States um, it's becoming more and more uh, open about children with special needs. I can remember when I was in school, and keep in mind that I'm 60, so that was maybe a couple of years ago that I was in school. Um, <laughs> if there was disruptive and special needs children, they weren't considered 
special needs, they were considered um, brats. Um, they were considered to be the bad kids. It was like if somebody was dyslexic. They didn't know the word dyslexic. And it created problems for a child. That child was treated like the bad kid, not like a child that had a problem that needed to be dealt with. Okay. Now, I think that we are more aware of things like dyslexia, autism, um, there are just all kinds of things out there that make some children special needs children. And I think that those children deserve everything that we can give them to give them a better life for themselves, for those around them, so that when they grow up, perhaps they're not just going to be counting emery boards into a Ziploc bag. They're going to have a life that has um, a social life and not be shunned because that does happen. Um, give them the ability, and and if they are counting emery boards, so what? They still have gained the ability to be with others. Hopefully, they have had whatever their their. Um, I don't want to call it a disability. But I can't think of another word right off the top of my head. We only have ten minutes, and take me that long to think. <laughs> you know, it just—it seems to me that our schools are dealing with it. But it also seems to me, on the other hand, um, parents want everything for that child, everything out there. And isn't that wonderful? That's what makes us parents. But we need to step back, and you sound to me as if you've really, you know, you've you've walked the walk. You know that there are services available that you can say, I want this and this and this, but you also seem to have stepped back and said, this is available, but it wouldn't be good for my child. He wouldn't benefit. Absolutely. And so many, so many parents need to stop and hear your voice uh, that says, this is available, this is available. But we're not going to utilize that because it's not going to benefit my child, and it may hold back others. Right. I understand where where it all started in that you know separate was not equal. They weren't getting educated. They were just being babysat. And hmm. They were being babysat. Yes. And it's I can understand that were parents way back when wanted education for their kids, and I think that's fabulous. And it's a great idea, but I don't think that every kid needs to be in a mainstream classroom. I know mine doesn't. <laughs> no, um, I agree. Not every child and, does. And I think that um, the way our mainstream school here in Crown Point runs things with offering a variety of classes. I mean, my daughter took CSI for half a year, and she took... Um, astronomy. Wow. And I just, I'm ready to move there and go to school myself. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's a, you know, going back to the special needs programming, I had to stop and see um, my son's caseworker the other day. The building that she's housed in, 
they share with um, a store. And for sale in this store um, are hand-woven um, all kinds of things, purses and baskets and all this stuff, and it has right on it who made it. And these are all the people that are in the Mount, uh, Mount Lake Services programs. Used to be called the ARC, but we don't call them retarded anymore, so that's what, been replaced. What, what's the appropriate term? Mentally challenged, or that was the last one? Special needs. Now special just, needs. Now it's special needs. Yes. Okay. So to take that out of it, they just call it Mountain Lake Services because we're in the mountains on the lake, and, and that works. <laughs> there you go. That works. But, I, I, you know, got, it's wonderful. I got that. I was, I was I looking at that these. Out. <laughs> I was looking at these baskets and I was just stunned. There's a um, uh, Essex County, gosh, I go by it every time I go to the school and I can't, Industries, Essex County Industries, um, where people, who, the, the kids who have aged out of the programs for schooling mm -hmm. at the, uh, the tech school, which is where my son goes, half tech school, half special needs school. Um, where they can go to work and they make um, canoe seats and all kinds of stuff. They work on woodworking, uh, big equipment, and, and uh, you go up there and you can you can buy some of the best stuff you've ever seen. It, their work is just absolutely beautiful. Oh, and wonderful. Do they have a catalog or a website? I, you know, I don't know. I would have to. I haven't been over there in so long. Um, Mountain Lake Services probably does, and through them is just there. Something color and fiber, fiber weaving or something, and I, I can't remember. But um, I have your email, so as soon as yeah, I find out, I can email that to you. Yeah, just send just mention it. You know, we can always throw it on the air. But I think that um, a lot... It's just like what's happening in Washington, D.C. Government is just not, they're on a one-track mind, and they are not encompassing everything. And it's, it's exactly what the school system is doing. We have to get our grades up. We can't let these kids not pass. But they're not taking into consideration the fact that you have, in our school, 200 kids, Mm -hmm. What do those 200 kids need to be complete and have a multitude of interests? You know, that's, I'm fairly certain that if you were to poll anybody in Congress, they would tell you they took at least one musical instrument, mm -hmm. they played mm -hmm. sport. I mean, my daughter, my daughter got to give her credit. She made playing golf cool in school. <laughs> you know, because she's she's got the funky emo hair. It's black and in her face and green on yeah. top, and yeah. and she jo and she joined golf. And all of a sudden, there are eight people on the golf team as opposed to the three that there had been every year before. So at least she got into a team sport. That's so um, And now they're going to cut golf. Oh really? Yeah. Well, there's only six of them, or eight. Oh of them. wow. So. Um, and they cut cut part-time music teacher. So now we have one music teacher who teaches all of the string instruments. She teaches violin, 
viola, cello, and bass, and then any band instrument these kids choose for mm -hmm. the band kids. Uh, and the, at our private school, uh, we had one music teacher, and he was quite capable with, with uh, all the different in instruments. And she does chorus. Cool. Yeah, and she does... In March, we're, ha we're hosting our first ever um, museum night where all of the, the um, high school age kids who are um, interested in art will be putting together a bunch of different rooms of displays and we're having, um, we're having uh, all the band and string players breaking down into twos and threes and they're going to play different pieces in each of these rooms. Cool. And so it'll be like a night at the museum. There's going to be refreshments and um, a charge to get in. But for a change, here's a school system that is encouraging the arts. Well, and I, I that is what wonderful. I think is missing the most. I think that's great. Well, I'm going to tell you, you have been an excellent guest, um, but you always are. And um, on so many different subjects, we have two minutes left of our show. Can you believe an hour has sped by? I mean, I, it's, it just seems to me like we just started. Um, I want to thank you, Roseanne, for uh, joining us tonight and sharing your family and your, the educational situation in your community, which, uh, uh, geez, like I said, I, I think I want to go back to school if I can go there. <laughs> uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to close pretty much by saying that you've hit the nail on the head. Um, all aspects are important in a well-rounded yep. young person who's going to grow up and be our next generation of leaders. And uh, sports is important. Art is important. And whether that be uh, painting, drawing, music, choral, it's important. Um, you learn so much, and you find out who you are inside, and that's kind of important, too. Classes and mainstreaming for special needs children, that's important, because you know what? These people, whether they be special needs or non-special needs, we all need one thing. We need respect. We need to be cared about, and we need to be capable of sharing ourselves and having others share with us whom they are. So bottom line is, thank you so much, Kitty. Thank you for joining us. Pat, I think that you're still having computer problems. Um, thank you for joining us. And um, KZ is in the chat room, so I, don't, I think she's probably asking you if you know that person, because I don't know that person. And uh, so we have one minute left. Corey, I hope you're feeling Betty better. Betty, hey, Corey, feel Betty. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so be it. Um, had uh, to reformat her computer. She planned on being here tonight. Uh, she was able to listen. She couldn't get in the chat room. She is still working on her computer, which went kaboom. Thank you, uh, Kitty. Uh, it's always a pleasure to see you and give Norton a hug for us and a big hug back to you, Kitty. And uh, 
And I got a good laugh out of him. Yeah, you can hug him. It's okay. And a little rub on the head for Maury. And, and uh, we got 33 seconds, and we're on our countdown. Roseanne, thank you. See you in nice bingo or wherever. I don't see you on Ion anymore. How come? Quick. Um, I don't. The only place is I've been hanging out at MySpace. I oh. got hooked on the apps at MySpace. Oh, did you um, did you get my email last night with my MySpace? I just updated it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I did added you, you this morning. Okay, cool. Yep, I added you. You're my number three friend. Ooh, thank <laughs> you. Well, I just uh, we updated it, and uh, we're not on the air now. Nobody can hear us but me and you. But uh, just to make a long story short, I just updated it last night. Corey helped me with it with a little ch- chihuahuas because I'm trying to win a chihuahua. So I put those oh. links on for Scott's Puppy Palace because I would love okay. to win. And, uh, I hope she doesn't look like my chihuahua. Well, see, I had two. I had Molly and Maria. They were little teacup chihuahuas. And I had got them on a breeder's deal. And the deal was that when they went into heat, I would take them back to the breeder and leave them for a week or so. Well, they never went in heat that I could tell. And she came, and she took them away from me. Ah! Oh, I didn't have them anymore. We offered to buy them. Nope. Nope. Uh-huh. She broke the deal. And I, I never see them in heat, and I would check. She'd call and i say, no. So anyway... Uh, Kitty, uh, KZ, her name is Kitty, and mm-hmm. um, her and her husband came to visit me from New York last year. Oh, my gosh, they're such sweet people, and I've known them for several She's years. She's right around the life. corner from me. Yeah, you guys should get together and do coffee. She is, Absolutely. She's really, she's really cool, and her husband is, is such a riot, and they're awfully good people. So I'm going to hang up, and if you want to talk to Kitty in, in the chat room, I'm going to leave it open for a few minutes. And thank you again. Gosh, okay. you were wonderful. And and you'll have to let me know Thanks. how uh, your daughter made made out. Um, I know how she made out. Kitty wants to know why um, your daughter was late for the month of December. So you can tell her if you choose to. Okay? <laughs> Either okay. in the chat room, which is not archived because uh, nobody sees the chat after I close it, or you guys have coffee and you can tell her. All right, you take care, honey, and thank you. Talk to you You later. Bye bye. Bye. You've just listened to an IYR The Classics broadcast. Learn more about IYR The Classics at theclassics.itsyourradio.com. It's your radio, the future of radio. www.itsyourradio.com.